Hello, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. It is 2023, February of 2023 to be precise. And this weekend on the flashback video, we're going to be flashing back all the way to 2010, 13 years previous for a conversation that I recorded way back in the day with Freeman Fly of FreemanTV.com. Maybe you are familiar with Freeman. Maybe you're not. If not, I've had several conversations with him, so you can get acquainted with him that way, or you can visit his website. But today we're going to be flashing back to a conversation on a topic that is, I know, as interesting and relevant today as it was at the time it was recorded, to do with those weird signs and symbols and things that we see around us that we take for granted. It's just a corporate logo, man. What do you mean there are three sixes in the World Economic Forum thing with the weird swoop around it? What a... What are you talking about? So what? My Apple computer has a bitten apple on it. What does that mean? <laughs> There's a lot of these things that we see every day and we probably don't question, or actually I should say the average person doesn't question, but you're here watching the Corbett Report, so you probably do. Well, here are some answers from a person who has done a great deal of exploration of these things. I know this is always a fascinating subject, and this audio interview from 2010 has just been poof, spruced up and made into a beautiful visual presentation by video editor extraordinaire Brock West. So thank you, Brock, for doing that. And uh, I hope you guys are strapped in and have your notebooks handy because there's a lot of information in here. If you want to see the original post, and of course that will be linked up in the show notes along with all of the other things that we're talking about here. And uh, this, of course, stems from 2010. Uh, it's way back in the archives. Uh, but if you are interested in preserving those Corbett Report archives, having a actual physical saved version that you have uh, to hand and help support my work, then of course you can purchase the 2010 USB data archive from newworldnextweek.com where you can purchase the data archives from 2007, 8, 2009, 2010. Obviously, more years coming very soon. Stay tuned for that. Um, but all that being said, as usual, I will put in the caveat, this video is being created in 2023, so the video is not on the 2010 archive, but the audio of this conversation is. That being said, please enjoy this conversation. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is uh, currently the 9th of July, 2010 here in Japan, but it's still the 8th of July in Austin, Texas, where I'm honored to be joined in the line by Freeman Fly of FreemanTV.com. Uh, Freeman, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you, James. I'm actually now in Lawrence, Kansas. Just oh, to... sorry. Uh, my That's mistake. All right. All right. Lawrence, Kansas. Well, uh, well, Freeman, this is the first time we've spoken. So for, for the benefit of those listeners out there who aren't familiar with your work, I suppose some sort of introduction is in order. But uh, I guess I could try to describe your work by calling you a radio host or a TV presenter or a researcher or a documentary maker or even a guru, I suppose, but um, I'm not sure if any of those words really encapsulate what you do. What, when people ask you what you do, uh, how do you usually respond? I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Very bold. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been that since before uh, Mel Gibson made it look bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, So that's really what I answer and then often I get the question, well, which conspiracy? <laughs> which always kind of cracks me up. That, that is a good question, actually. Wh which conspiracy? Oh, uh, you know, all. It's, <laughs> it, it's, I, I'm actually trying to formulate the unified conspiracy theory. 
uh, as Einstein was looking for the, the center of the universe, I'm trying to find the center of this conspiracy theory and take it to the, the bounds that it needs to be in the esoteric and the occult to understand what's really going on. So we have to merge conspiracy relativity with conspiracy quantum physics okay exactly well, let's uh let's see if we can do a little bit of that today <laughs> all right well I, i've been following your work for a few years now and um i've really been enjoying your radio program and your archives recently in particular and uh, i think the first work of yours in, i ever encountered was your investigation into the hidden occult meanings of corporate logos uh, what initially prompted you to start looking into that subject and, and what were some of the first logos that you decoded well, that was my very first presentation uh, back in uh, 2005, five years now. Uh, that was my first presentation to the world. People constantly, see, I wandered the earth and, and just spoke. I spoke to people anywhere I would go, and I'd tell them about these truths that I was uncovering. And eventually that, that walking talk led me to a television show, and I produced what I called the footnotes to Freeman. I wanted to get everything out to you that I could to get you the base understanding of where I was going. And so Corporate Logos was a very interesting opening to me because what I had initially found was the Freemasonic connections to our government, to corporations, to the things that we know of as culture and how that related to everything that was going on. When I started to look at corporate logos, I guess really what had happened is I, I was introduced to Freemasonry. I found actually that my father was involved. I, I was in college at this point, about 25 years old, and a friend of mine sh started showing me the, the, the Freemasonic logos. I went through those and said, wow, these are really familiar. I don't know why. And it finally dawned on me that I recognized it from my father's cufflinks or his tie, uh, you know, uh, clip, things of this nature. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I think my dad's involved in this. So I started to research the, the rituals, what Freemasonry is, try to understand it. My father never released anything to me, never said anything more than, yeah, flying saucers are real. Uh, in, in the esoteric or his secret world that he, he lived in. He didn't believe in any of this, okay? My father would talk about the Scottish Rite and the York Rite of, of Freemasonry, and he'd say, I really like the York Rite a lot much, much more than the Scottish Rite, because the Scottish Rite's just all this gobbledygook. And now my father was the one who wore the tap hat in the lodge and ran the rituals, pretending to be King Solomon, resurrecting this character Hiram Abiff. And so within the Masonic rituals, I started to capture and understand the different corporate logos I was seeing, which really blew my mind. Because every corporate logo of a major corporation, uh, if you take Target, Walmart, McDonald's, uh, just the list goes on and on, uh, Texaco, Shell, these all are actually aspects inside of a Freemasonic ritual. So what happens is you, you start to learn what goes on in the lodge. Now, first of all, they do not uh, recruit for Freemasonic lodges. So you have to go there of your own free will and accord. They say to be one, ask one. So you find a brother to, to petition you and say, you're okay. You can join the lodge. Then they vote on you and determine whether you're good enough. They'll come and investigate your family. Actually, there was just a major controversy, I believe it was in New York, where the, uh, the sheriff or the uh, police chief was using was the worshipful master of their lodge and using the police database to inspect candidates. And so you start to see all the, the connections that go along with being a Freemason. So 
as you go into the lodge, all of a sudden, okay, so what you will do is you'll go in and you'll go past the man with the sword, walk in the door, you'll be blindfolded, you'll have a pant leg rolled up and one of your sl- shirt sleeves pulled down over, bearing your heart. You'll walk upon the point of a sword or a compass, depending on what the lodge uses, but something pointy will stick you in the heart. And you'll have to give your agreement that you're coming here of your free will. Then you go through the ritual where you actually are are assassinated by three ruffians and then resurrected by King King Solomon. And this is all uh, inside of Solomon's temple, the building of Solomon's temple. So... Okay, so a few corporate logos, sorry, to jump to it. So when you start to look at around you, say uh, Texaco and Shell. Now these are curious ones because you've got a pentagram and a shell. Now these are both symbols of Venus. When you look at Venus from Earth, every eight years it'll make pentagrams in the sky. When uh, you see Venus rising uh, in the famous artworks, you will see that she's always on a shell. So these these are symbols of Venus. When you are pretending to be Hiram Abiff in the lodge and you are murdered by the ruffians and then resurrected by King Hiram or by King Solomon uh, you are appointed to a five pointed star in the back of the lodge with the G which is the common Masonic symbol the G and you are told this is Venus and this is the light that you are risen to well when you look up Venus in the dictionary you're going to very quickly see that or you look up Lucifer in the dictionary, you will quickly see that the first definition is Venus. So you're actually being raised to the light of Lucifer. And so these type of codes started coming through loud and clear. Lucifer, 666, Satanism. Now, I'm not a Christian, and I did not come at this from some sort of Christian fundamental uh, aspect or looking at things going, I'm looking for Satan. No, but I found it, you know. Uh, when you look at 666, uh, the only word in English that you can make with the numbers 666 is fox. So then you got fox pictures, fox starlight or searchlight, which goes back to the Lucifer type thing. Uh, you know, 21st century fox, fox Mulder, uh, Lucius Fox, <laughs> the Morgan Freeman on Batman, uh, you know, on and on and on. And you'll see that that the 666, you look at your Macintosh, your your Apple computers, and you have the bitten apple. And, of course, that's another satanic symbol because it was Satan that gave the apple to Eve to bite. Uh, and, oh, the, 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 the satanic, oh, okay, another one is that, okay, so what what I came to realize was that Freemasonry, and this is duly described by Albert Pike, the, the lead magician of Freemasonry, their, their grand pontiff of the Scottish Rite, who wrote the morals and dogma of, of Freemasonry, which outlines the 32 degrees within the Scottish Rite. And in that book, which was handed to me at the Temple of the 33rd, while in the Albert Pike room, uh, <laughs> in that book he states over 70 times that Freemasonry is Kabbalism. Now, Kabbalism is an ancient Hebrew mysticism. So when you start to see all the Star of David's inside of a lodge, or you see the Hebrew and all the different connections of, uh, of Judaic law and things in Freemasonry, you'll start to understand where they're coming from. So as I start to look around at all the different corporations, like uh, the Templars were the lead-up to the common Freemasons now, and you'll see like Exxon's corporate logo is this double X made into a double cross, which is the cross of Lorraine or the cross of the Knights Templar. Or when you know that what the Templars were famous for were gold and arches. 
and of course McDonald's, right? Now you can go double check. You can find out that Roy Crock of Freemason or Ray Crock of, of McDonald's was a leading Freemason. You can find out that Walt Disney was involved in Freemasonry. You can find out that many of these corporations that I've identified their corporate logos are actually Freemasons. So it's not just happenstance. Right, it certainly isn't, and it's certainly not just corporate logos, although those are probably the symbols or signs that we see the most on a daily basis. We see them thousands of times every day without even really consciously noticing them, but this symbolism is, is all-pervasive, and, and I think other examples of it might even be things like um, the Republican Party logo and the uh, inverted paragram, pentagrams and, and things like that, that that are just all over everything to do with, with politics or anything like relating to positions of power in our society. Yes. And a lot of this belief system goes back to Egypt. So you'll find also like the Aten uh, or Akhenaten's uh, rising sun in the Obama logo. That's right, and that that's a, a symbol that that's become, I think, very important as Obama himself started rising, and and we've seen that become such an important symbol. Um, well, I, I guess expanding the conversation out, what I'm really talking about today on this uh, this episode of the Corbett Report is is signs and symbols and sigils, and I want to talk about the ways not only. The, the specific examples of these logos and these symbols, but also the, the reason that they're put into our society, why, why it's so important for these people to use these symbols. And I think one level on which it's very easy to understand is, is the level that these are a type of gang sign and that we, we can identify other people in the gang by the signs that they throw out. So, so maybe you can expand a little bit about that and then start to get into some of the more esoteric reasons for these symbols. Okay. Uh, yes, it's definitely hubris. You know, the Brotherhood loves that they're this secret little order with their, their little handshakes, you know, and their little winks and nods that they give to one another. Did you ride the goat? You know, is uh, something a mason might ask another to find out if he was a member of a lodge. They have a whole uh, slew of catchphrases, catchisms that will uh, allow you to test a mason to see if he's another brother. And now the reason this is important, if you look into to Freemasonry, get their, their Masonic Bible and have a look at some of the stories in there. There's a story of, say, um, uh, oh, Lord, I forgot his name at this moment. It was a Freemason who was fighting for the British side in the, the American Revolutionary War, captured by American Freemasons and then set free because he gave the grand hailing sign of a Freemason in distress. So, in one level, that's what we're seeing here. It's, uh, it's an allegiance to a brotherhood that are kind of like live and let die philosophy. I went to a temple, I went to a lodge, and I had dinner with the Masons, and they wanted me to join. They found out my father was worshipful master and all this, and they tried to convince me. Their convincing was uh, them telling me stories of how they were brought to safety when others died because of their Masonic ring, such as in warfare. Some of the old men were telling me how they were deployed to somewhere they didn't think they were going, and the rest of their troops were all slaughtered. Uh, so these were the, the arguments that the Masons themselves were trying to give me to join. You know, join us so that we won't kill you, <laughs> you know? And when you start to look at warfare, you'll see Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt, all Freemasons. You look at our, our Masonic presidents, over half have belonged to this single fraternity. So, we, we, you know, the conspiracy is there for you to see. Uh, so, the level is that they just think it's cool. 
right? So on one level, they just want to alert other brothers as to what corporations are, are you know, have a wink and a nod. Right. So, so I, 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 as I say, I think that's the easiest level to understand these types of signs or symbols. But I think when, when we start talking about the concept of a sigil, we start moving into a very different area. So for those listeners out there who don't know what sigils are or examples of them, maybe you could describe a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, the curious thing is you bring up the concept of magic and immediately people shut down. We're not conditioned for this except for concepts of Harry Potter or, you know, bewitched back in the day. Uh, so when you start to look into the true mystery schools and the ancient arts of magic that have been passed through millennia, you know, back to ancient Egypt, back to, uh, to Judaism, there were talismans, there were signs and symbols, there were geometric patterns that could be used to manipulate the universe. This is what was believed. Now, the pentagram was one of the main ones of these sigils, and especially when we start talking about King Solomon's magic, when you look into the pentacle of, of King Solomon, it's a pentagram. Uh, this is actually a sigil of, of spirit over matter, so you have the four points with the one point uh, signifying the spirit over matter. But what we find is that these magicians have a very elaborate, very detailed knowledge of signs and sigils into the other dimensions that they would use to invoke or evoke particular what they call daemons, genie, or you know, demons, and even angels. And so there was a whole form of magic uh, created by John Dee, the queen sorcerer, who was connected to Enochian magic and speaking to different archangels. Most of the magic that you'll see practiced today is is in connection with archangels. And so there's a whole angelic script that will actually outline different beings in this other realm. And King Solomon, he did very much the same thing in creating 72 sigils to bind spirits and then one major sigil to bind them all. And he tried to control different demons or daemons to use them for his own will. And Actually, the, the Bicentennial Mall in Nashville is, is an exact replica of the Seal of Solomon to bind spirits, only made into an architectural form. Did that answer the question? I, I think so. So, so how did that uh, project work out for him? For Solomon? Yes. Uh, it was trouble. Uh, the <laughs> keeping those things bound was, was seemed to be something that was he could not control. We find that Solomon was a worshiper of Shamash, which is kind of a Sumerian Jesus character. And he also worshipped uh, Asherah, which is our goddess Ishtar, which is the goddess Columbia now in America. And he also worshipped Molech, who is that bull god that most think is the one they worship at Bohemian Grove with the owl. But uh, Molech is, of course, a bull that they used to bur burn bodies to. So there was a lot of ritual, a lot of work that goes into ritual. And it was really the place of the elite, the rich, those that could afford all of the uh, accompaniments that go along with performing a ritual. So uh, it, it takes a lot, a lot to do these type of works that, that we're talking about. Right. So so let's take a look at some of the, the examples that we see today. And I, I 
it's my contention that probably the most pervasive in American society would be the Great Seal of the United States, which of course is on every one dollar bill. And uh, I think everybody who who sees that obviously knows that there is something going on. That the uncapped pyramid probably you know has some sort of deeper esoteric meaning, and a lot of people have been introduced to that through Hollywood or other things. But um, I, I, the, the level on which that could be a sigil and performing some sort of magic in the uh, the eyes of the people who who put that there is uh, something that most people probably haven't considered. So can you tell us a little bit about that particular sigil? Yeah, very curious thing, that seal. Uh, now, first of all, when you start to look into Solomon's magic or some of the other grimoires, you will see these two type of seals side by side with a binding agent. And... That's one thing that's very curious about the dollar bill and in that they actually take upon this type of magic with one in the middle, the Atpen, the, uh, you know, this one true god that Akhenaten brought about and that's been carried out through time. Uh, when we look at the, the eagle and we look at these seals, we immediately see Freemasonry encoded again because one wing has 32 feathers, the other wing having 33 um, this being that there are 32 degrees within the Scottish Rite Freemasonry, and then the one above, which is only given, you cannot earn, which is the 33rd degree, which Bob Dole, uh, Arnold Palmer, uh, <laughs> Richard Nixon, I, I, the list goes on and on of 33rds that we know of. The, you can see them all in my Corporate Logos film. Um, so when we start to take apart this symbol, there are numerous 13s, they're encoded masons, they're encoded with the Star of David. If you were to take the, the pyramid and actually draw the, 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 the second triangle pointing down from the Star of David, then the letters that these would hit upon were B Mason. Uh, it's been recently shown to me that if you take the, the numbers down at the bottom where it says 1776 in uh, Roman numerals, uh, now that could very well and most likely is dated to uh, the the Illuminati, the founding of the Illuminati by Adam Weishaupt on May 1st, 1776. But if you actually take the ones that have a line going through it and you erase those and just keep the numbers that don't, then it actually comes out to be numerically 666 again. This is so curious about that 666. It's something I'm digging deep. And of course, it's CERN's corporate logo as well. Uh, and I want to understand because I don't really believe in a strict Satan Jesus paradigm. You know, that's too simple for me. That's just too easy to say, well, this is Satan and that's Jesus. No, there's a lot more going on here. Uh, Jesus was an order of Melchizedek. He was a member of a secret society. So, you know, it gets deep. Uh, when, when you start to, to decipher how this got to be an American symbol, where did it come from? Why is it on there? Why in 1933 did it appear on the dollar bill? we find that there's a, a, a mysterious character, Nicholas Rorick, who was the one who was seeking to put this out, and he was working through the uh, uh, Department of Agriculture, who became president, <laughs> and I lost his name in my head too now. Oh, uh, Woodrow uh, Wilson. Right, and there Sorry. was also um, uh, Wallace. Wallace, Wallace. Uh, that's, that's who I'm thinking of. Right, he became vice president. Yes. Uh, so through Wallace and, and through Nicholas Rorick, uh, then we, we got the pyramid on the dollar bill because everyone had seen the front seal, but no one had seen the reverse seal of that. 
Right, exactly. Explain that for people, because that that's a bizarre and interesting concept as well, that there's the, the front and then the obverse of the seal, and no one had seen the obverse. I mean, that's that's kind of a bizarre concept. Yeah, well, once you realize that this nation was founded, crafted by a mystery school, by ones that hold secrets, you know, society with secrets, as a Freemason would say, then you start to understand that there's a whole lot more going on with the creation of America than just trying to free humanity. There was an agenda to bring about this new Atlantis, and so this is the goal of the Brotherhood, and America is simply a step along the way. And now we are being turned into the satanic force that the rest of the world is to rebel against. And so you can expect that because all of the symbolism that we see now with Barack Obama, his name meaning lightning from heaven, when you play Yes We Can backwards, it says, thank you, Satan. He rides around in the beast. He's, uh, you know, scorning every, every leader of every other nation out there. Plus, they're putting out the what most people consider the common American, which is this dumb, arrogant Lady Gaga listening to, uh, you know, person so that the rest of the world will hate us easily. And when we move to this next step, which will most likely be America's attack on Iran, uh, coupled with Israel, this is going to give everyone the impetus to hate and destroy America. So this American project of the Freemasons was scheduled for a long time to become something else. It was never scheduled to be this nation of freedom. They want a world controlled by a priestcraft that is the, the Freemasonic order. That's right. And, and again, people out there don't have to believe in this magic to know that there are people out there who do believe in this. And, and what does it mean that there are literally hundreds of millions of Americans walking around right now with their little symbol in their pocket on their $1 bills? What, what type of power do they think they get from this? Well, I think about the people running around with their Columbia sportswear swastika on there and, you know, uh, and all the numerous others like the pentagram and cube on your converse. I mean, we're covered in occult symbols. So they do say that these symbols have power. You know, Albert Pike himself said that uh, these sigils have power, especially the pentagram was one of his favorites that they would use. To answer that, that, that question is a difficult one. Because honestly, I'm not so certain that the, the ones that we see, like the solar sign, the sun sign of, of Target, the, the pentagram of Walmart, the pentagram of Texaco, the shell, the, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I'm still not convinced that these are put there for the magical intention of instilling a pattern into the people. Uh, now, there is such a, a thing and such a, a method of, of using magic in that means but as far as the corporate logos, I'm still believing that they're simply signs of allegiance. But I do take it to another level trying to understand it because I had predicted 9-11 using my occult understanding. I had selected the date because it was used by HW the first time on 9-11-1990 announcing the New World Order. When I, when I saw this go... Okay, so I, I, I was witnessing the, the idea of them bringing about this uh, Homeland Security Department. And as I watched this, I knew that they needed a major terrorist attack in the middle of September to bring this about. But I selected the date of 9-11 because I knew that would be the day because of their ritual nature. And then eventually found out 
the meaning of the numbers 9-11 and their connection once again to Lucifer or the idea of sorcery. 9 and 11 skips 10, which is God. So therefore, you are taking the, the magician to a power of self-service, uh, skipping God, right? 11 being the number of the sorcerer or magician. Uh, so 9-11 actually had an encoded meaning that wasn't anything to do with the date. It actually has point and purpose. You can find Aleister Crowley talking about the numbers 9-11. You can find Isaac Bonowitz, the first academically accredited magician, discussing the numbers 9-11. And we're talking about back in the early 1900s and, in, and even the 1970s with Isaac Bonowitz. Or Kenneth Grant, who is one of the lead scholars on Aleister Crowley, also speaking out on the numbers 9-11. So this is a magical code that they were using, and this was a magical ritual that they used to slaughter 3,000 people. So on that level, that's what I would consider a high-profile magical ritual. Uh, but the curious, uh, just to get to the dollar real fast, uh, the curious thing was that I had a list of, a line of people at my door on 9-11 going, how did you know? How did you know? And honestly, I don't know. You know, I'm just looking at the puzzle, posting a hypothesis and coming up with what I think is going to happen and just happened to continually get it right. I had also said that they were going to force W into office because W is the letter of the beast. It's the letter of the fallen angels. It is the number 66 encoded in Hebrew because 6 is V in Hebrew. So W, when they forced the W, the, the dark one, into office, I said, this will be the year 9-11 happens because I was talking about 9-11 from 1998 on. So... When it finally occurred and when the W was forced into office, as I predicted, I said, okay, that's, you know, this is the year it'll happen. And then uh, just another code, HW is emperor of the fallen angels for his father's name. So when they showed up at my door, there were already three people with their $20 bills folded to show the Twin Towers burning. And I thought to myself, now, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I know about things like this. Uh, how do you know about this? You're just, you know, the common man that doesn't look into these things. How do these people know this? And they said, oh, it was all over the web. And to me, that was a big clue. One, that perhaps the symbols and sigils don't need to be as obvious as we think they do. Perhaps our holographic mind could fold that bill into the origami necessary to create and see the Twin Towers burning. Because it's not just the 20. If you take the 5 to 100, you get the entire World Trade Center scenario. The Twin Towers, the Twin first getting hit, the two getting hit, the Twin Towers missing, and then a wisp of smoke on the 100. You know, it's all there. Even if you flip the 20 over, it's got the Pentagon burning with a hole in the side. This is, to me, the idea that the first ingredient of Freemasonry and of mystery schools is that you come of your own free will and accord. So for them to put this on the dollar bills, which was the year 1996, which was the year they built that Seal of Solomon out in front of the Bicentennial Mall, out in front of the Nashville Capitol the same year that they did that, the same year that Saddam Hussein was announcing that he was Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated and rebuilding Babylon, uh, they put these twin towers burning on the dollar bills on the 10 through the 100 and then projected that to everyone said look what we did and that's the moment that i realized that all of this requires our free will agreement 
And so currently, if you take the Gulf oil spill, the, the agreement they're asking for is for us to agree that we all should die, that this is horrible thing that humanity is doing and that it's all our fault. We're supposed to take on all the guilt and accept that we should die. And when we accept that moment, that's the moment they can actually go through with the ritual and kill us all. Very, very good point, and, and very disturbing. And that's right, I did feature that uh, series of folded bills on one of my early videos, and it is just one of those mind-blowing things that I think a lot of people will see and, and simply reject because they can't believe in something like that. But it's right there for people to see, the entire progression. And it's uh, it's just one of those incredibly mind-blowing things. And 9-11 brings us back in a roundabout way 9-11 was also the date um for the laying of the cornerstone of the pentagon uh, uh yeah the pentagon which of course is the center of a pentagram which of course brings us back to the the occult ge geometry and geography of washington dc and other places like that and the hidden occult meaning of architecture so so what about the idea that uh, that uh, the magical symbols or, or uh, powers are encoded into architecture itself and even the the places that that are chosen for various things to be laid out like why washington dc was chosen when really it was just a wasteful swampland before it was created into the capital of the united states yeah and curiously enough you know it was a place called rome and it was bought by a man named pope uh you know where dc is now uh george washington bought it from a man named pope in rome uh, Rome, America. Anyway, uh, you know, strange, strange things. Just like the the Kennedy Lincoln connections. I mean, that's mind boggling. How does that happen? Is this time waves converging? What is going on with a scenario like that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there are there are a number of things linking Kennedy and Lincoln. Can you go through a few of them? Uh, you know, it was it was things such as uh, Lincoln was shot in a theater, and the the assassin ran to the book depository. Kennedy was shot in a depository from his depository and he ran to a, a theater uh, that uh, the vice presidents that followed were sa named the same. I think their secretaries had the same name. There were a lot of just coincidences, a whole list of them that's just beyond compare of how that could occur. Now that's something that for physicists to figure out, not, <laughs> not conspiracy theorists, because there's no way that was designed. That's something like the universe trying to speak to us. Now, let me get back to your question. So thinking about architecture and geography. Okay, so something that's been coming to our attention is paramagnetics and the idea of the electromagnetic frequency spectrum. So when we start to look into the ancient structures, there were things in Ireland that were known as the round towers, which had doors that were six to eight feet off the ground, you know, and with no ladders leading to them. And, and yet they it seemed that the foliage and, and the growth around these towers was much stronger. The plants were much stronger than anything anywhere else. And when some went and did studies with even dowsing rods and then later with uh, electromagnetic frequency detectors, they found that where the doorways were, were actually the highest point of electromagnetic frequency. When you start looking to the ancient uh, structures of Peru, they actually had a stone that they would place their fist into that looked like a, a carved out serpent. And when determined, when detected, it was actually highly electromagnetic. When Isaac Bonowitz began to study magic and became the only um, academically accredited magician getting a, a degree in magic from Berkeley, just to give you an idea of how real 
magic can be produced and, and made. He designed a magic machine or a psychic machine. And it, it, when he described it 25 years before Harp's creation, it is Harp to a T using electromagnetic frequencies to create magic. So when you start to look, you start to realize that this electromagnetic frequency spectrum actually is uh, the mag magical tool. Then you start to see how concepts like Ghostbusters, where they built the building to uh, bring down certain souls, can actually be real. Now, you go to Freemasons, and you will find that they... When they, when they do the cornerstone laying ritual like they did on 9-11-1941 on the Pentagon, a Freemason will be standing there with his top hat just as George Washington did on 10-13 for the White House. And they will perform a ritual that is to call upon entities to come down into the building. Now, there was one Freemason, I'm trying to think of it, it was Le Plongeon or... Uh, eh. I can't think of which Mason it was, but he, he got all upset. He wrote a whole book about it because Masons were doing the rituals improperly and calling upon uh, spirits of chaos into their building. And he actually had to go around and, and recall the different entities and redo the, the cornerstone rituals in order to bring the right entities. But we got to the concepts of these paramagnetics, and we started to notice what could be very well paramagnetic antennas. And so if you look at my photography section on freemantv.com, you're going to see a lot of these. One of them is very curious, and it's on top of the lodge in, in Los Angeles. Uh, a, a, a gigantic lodge. This lodge takes up a whole block, has all the different characters on it, from Hiram Abiff to uh, Albert Pike to George Washington to even Emotep of ancient Egypt. And on this building, you will find what looks to be a, a Burmese or a, a type of pagoda on top. But I, I believe this to be a spiritual antenna, a, a, a paramagnetic antenna. In London, we found another building that was dated to 666. It was actually the 33 building, but they made sure to put 33 in three different places so that it, you know, mathematically made it 666. And across the top of the building were angels slaughtering demons. So there were six angels with six demons. And then when you look in the corners, you'll see these very, very strange uh, metallic structures pointing up with lightning bolts and, and uh, gyroscopes. And there again, on this building, I believe these to be paramagnetic antennas. So a lot of the concepts we get in, in our, um, our sci-fi and, and you know, action-adventure shows like Ghostbusters are actually realities to these brotherhoods. Uh, even something like Hellboy and uh, CERN could be easily put together in the same spectrum. And again, for the for the benefit of the people out there who do find this all extremely unbelievable, I suppose. Well, again, the point is whether whether or not the people in positions of power actually believe in this. And I think the overwhelming evidence is that they absolutely do. That they uh, go to Bohemian Grove or they go to Skull and Bones and they participate in all these types of rituals. And it's something that just infests the corridors of power. So I guess the question is for for us at the the level that we're at how how do we I guess not fight back against this, but how do we how do we reject these signs and symbols? How do we make it make these I, I guess make it clear that we are not giving our allegiance just because we have a bitten apple on our computer or something like that? 
Yeah, their corporate uh, mottos go to your imagination at work. <laughs> or Disney likes to say how to capture your imagination. When you get to it, when you finally boil it all down, magic is imagination. All of the ritual aspects that you do are to confound the five senses. So when you're doing a ritual, you want to have the right smells, the right sights, the right colors, the right sounds. Everything, every aspect of your senses should be covered in the idea that you need, that you want to instill. Uh, you know, if you're after Mars, you want red, you want uh, the different smokes that go to Mars. Uh, so what we realize is that they have captured our minds. They are the culture creators, and they are instilling mind pattern programming, which is a form of magic. That is the, the magician's trait, really. I mean, 9-11 was a, a, a work of magic in that it made everyone do something, right? And that's, that's the real stage performance, prestidigitation, as they try to create an emotional response through stage play. Uh, so we have to first recognize that our minds are controlled, that they have guided us to the belief systems that we are at, and it's much easier if you start to recognize what they are programming into us so that that makes it easier to turn away from. Because what we are in right now, especially in America, is the Princess Warrior programming, and that's where they are creating the Dark Knight, the Dark Hero. And they instilled this into children through killing Superman and killing Batman and replacing them both with slasher killer heroes. So Batman was replaced by a fallen angel known as Azrael. And if you go to the book of Enoch, you'll find that it was Azrael that taught magic to humanity and warfare. And they, they made him Bruce Wayne. And of course, all of the Batman fans freaked out and they had to bring Bruce Wayne back because they didn't want a slasher killer hero yet. Uh, then you had Superman go down and he became a clone, but really his character was replaced by Hellspawn, uh, put out by Image Comics and Tard Todd McFarlane, where the this slasher killer Hellspawn hero is slaughtering pedophile rapists. Is, is If you're reading your children's cartoons and comic books, you might want to. So we watch this as they have programmed us into this dark hero the avengeful hero. Now, when they capped the Great Pyramid, well, they attempted to grab the cap the Great Pyramid with gold and wide bouquet. All of this was a major ritual to Horus, the avenging hero. Now, when you start to look into what Aleister Crowley was saying, he said, we are moving into the age of Horus, the age of the crowned and conquering child. And that's where we really are. The hippie movement was uh, this rage of the child. But when we start to realize what's going on, they want to turn this child into the vengeful hero. And so we're, you know, just splashed across with all of the, the violent, bloody video games, with all of the, I mean, we look at American Idol, the American Music Awards, the VMA, and even the meeting with the Queen, and Lady Gaga is performing blood rituals in front of everyone. I mean, on American Idol, she has a burning Lucifer angel behind her while blood is pouring out of it, and they're all laying under it. Our main heroes right now are vampires and werewolves, you know, with Twilight and all the children turning to that type of darkness. Uh, even Harry Potter is sorcery. It's all self-service magic, so they're conditioning us to that aspect. So what I see actually coming down the pipe is that we are moving into an age of manifestation. As we have been in the dark side 
of the the great year. The great year takes 26,000 years roughly to get through. So there's 13,000 years of what we could call the great day and 13,000 years of what we could call the great night. And the great night began 13,000 years ago right at the fall of civilization when civilization took on a whole new form of control, uh, a form that erased all the past 13,000 years and now we see this darkness coming to an end and that is the new great or golden dawn as the mystery school is called the golden dawn is when we awaken to this new manifestation of life and things become actually less material more ethereal and what you think becomes real quicker we can feel it all happening with the synchronicity with everything else. So as we move to the new golden dawn, as we enter the age of Aquarius, as it were, and start the new great cycle, they, I believe, understand that we will be moving into this age of manifestation, this crowned and conquering child, and they want to control who we are going into that. So they're conditioning us all to perversion and to sorcery so that when we do come through the other side, that's what we are, dark magicians. So... We have to focus on love, of course. We have to focus on forgiveness. We can't hold anger towards George W. Bush. It wasn't him. It was not George W. Bush. He was placed there. He was a poor actor that really did not enjoy his role. Uh, we can't blame the people that we think are in charge or all of the violence. We need to then just regain our imagination, regain our inner child, and let that inner child out. That's the true solution. Well, I, what you say resonates on a number of levels, and I, I really do see how we are being programmed into that vengeful hero mindset, and that uh, in, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of the information that, that even we talk about here on the Corbett Report does make people feel so vengeful that they, they want to somehow strike back against the system that's controlling them, and I think that's uh, it's very easy to fall into, and it, it I, I'm coming more and more to the realization that, that fighting against... Uh, police guards, uh, uh, riot police at uh, G20 or things like that, it, it doesn't, it's not solving anything and it's not going to solve anything. And I, I don't think it's meant to solve anything. I think there are, uh, we're being pushed into these various situations where, where we're being asked to fight and to, to have vengeful hatred in our hearts. And I don't know if that's the way forward. I, I think that's going to only be to the detriment. But uh, you also bring up another entire range of symbols and signs that, that we haven't even touched on yet, and that's pop culture, which is absolutely the most pervasive uh, occult ritual, all sorts of things going on in these music videos and, and things like this. It's just absolutely mind-blowing, and I know you've done a lot of uh, research on some of the, the main figures and, and how they relate and the, the uh, Disney princesses and things like that. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit, just a little bit about the pop culture aspect of this. All right. Well, you know, I began this whole thing with Anna, Nicole, Brittany, and mind control. And that was one scary, scary research. I don't want to know that stuff. I don't want to know about this dark, deep, uh, trauma-based mind control. It was frightening to me. And, and I even, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I did it. I looked at it. I, took, I put my head in there. And I even stripped the veil away, as far as I'm concerned, and showed you the truth behind the Anna, Nicole, uh, well, death and even what was really going on with Britney Spears. So now, when we start to look at what's going on, it's too obvious, right? So conspiracy theorists that have been on the tip for so long now are looking at Lady Gaga and even Miley Cyrus and saying, this is too obvious. They're making it too obvious. 
what's going on? What are they trying to get me to do? Are they trying to get me to promote her? You know? So there's a lot of like double think and double speak and all of this that we have to be careful with. Because when you start to look at, say, the VMA Awards, I think it was, or the Grammys, I'm not sure which, but uh, uh, Grammys, and Lady Gaga's coming out telling the, the, the public in their, uh, in their, that they are all monsters and that she is mind controlling them with her pop music and then they go through a, a blood ritual a phoenix ritual burn her she comes out with elton john then beyonce comes out with riot squads who are supposed to be her dancers now you ever try to die, dance in a riot squad outfit it, it didn't work you know and so what's that all about right uh and then she actually, this is just sort of a strange sideline. As she's walking across the stage, she reaches down and grabs this man by the chin, just with her fingertips, and lifts him up into the air as if levitating him. Now, this to me was just a moment in the whole thing that didn't make any sense. The guy didn't come up on stage. He wasn't there for any other purpose except to allow her to levitate him. And does that mean they had some sort of little device under him to make him rise? And then why would they do that? Is it to make people think that she has these magical powers? You know, why? I don't know. That one was bizarre. But the rest of it was so obvious. When you started to look at Pink, uh, you know, the character Pink from uh, the girls group, she... She comes out dressed almost in a full Masonic regalia, as I was describing to you at the beginning of the show, when you walk into a Mason Lodge and you roll up your pant leg and you bare your breast. Look at the costume that Pink is wearing in the Grammy Awards, and you'll see she has a checkerboard leg where it should be rolled up, which is the floor of a Freemason Lodge. She has her chest bared with a large heart on her chest, which is the, the very point that they will use to put the, the point in as you walk into the lodge. And she goes through what seems to be a full-on initiation ritual into Freemasonry right in front of everyone. You can go on and on like this. I right. mean, if you, you take... Madonna with the, uh, the top hat leading um, uh, Brittany and Christina Aguilera through a, a ceremony and on and on and on, yeah. Well, you know what? I just learned that uh, I'm friends with the worshipful master of the Freemason Lodge here in town, and he he gets a little excited about you know filling me with some stuff. Anyway, uh, Disney has been just the main focus of this programming, right? Since early night in World War One, World War Two. I'm sorry. Uh, Disney has been part of the war front. That's all they've done, and that's who they are. And they also run all of the children's books. You know, 84% of children's books goes through Disney. When you start to realize that they are the military-industrial complex programming the children, programming everyone, then it starts to make sense. This is why Miley Cyrus's latest video shows her with the angel wings or a fallen angel saying all of the aggressive things that they're trying to teach the children right now that uh, I get what I want because I'm hot like that. I can do what I want and you can't tame me. You can't save me. Uh, you can't train me. You know, you can't do anything. So, you know, that's Miley Cyrus at this point now that she's no longer Disney's Hannah Montana. And of course, she joined the Anti Panty Club just like uh, Lindsay Lohan, the other make, the, make, Musketeer, uh, you know, and, and Brittany and all of the others of the Anti Panty Club. This seems to be a part of a, their initiation rituals that they have to go through. They got to show their stuff to the world. 
Oh, it's it's bizarre when you start to really boil it down, you know, because you're going to find Britney Spears talking about time travel, talking about being ahead of us in certain ways. She starts talking, or uh, Dan Aykroyd starts talking about how when he was on the phone with Britney Spears and, and Men in Black vanish in front of him. This story is much deeper than we really are ready to think about. But the ritual aspect of, of Hollywood and everything that's being promoted to us is has become blatantly obvious. Uh, I could go on and on, definitely. Right. Well, uh, we are running out of time here. So just wrapping up, I think the last the last point I wanted to touch on is that uh, as a as a movement, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the people who are researching this and who are opposed to this, uh, I think we run the risk of becoming some sort of. Um, I guess just the modern equivalent of the, uh, the witch hunts where we, we go looking for, for these types of symbols and anything that seems to be affiliated with them, we must necessarily uh, reject or revile or whatever. And it becomes a type of witch hunt where, oh, did you see that Ron Paul video where he, he, has, he shakes someone's hand in a certain way and it looks like a Masonic handshake. And therefore, you know, Ron Paul is a Freemason and we must hate everything he does. And it becomes that type of witch hunt. And, and I think we run the risk of, of basically becoming a, a, just a, a violent mob that's looking for these types of symbols. And I thought you had an interesting way of dealing with that. Uh, you, you like to say yourself that you like to put up, you know, pictures of yourself putting out these types of hand signs and things to, I don't know, is that to deflect these types of criticisms, to make fun of these types of criticisms? What, what's your motive behind that? Yeah, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, that was exactly right. I have always tried very much so to not create witch hunts. I am not trying to point out an enemy. I'm simply showing because the enemy's everything, and it's you and me. You know, we're the ones that keep everything going. So it's if you're looking for an enemy, it's right in the mirror. Uh, when so I do try to keep it light and you know take people to the sense of amazement and wonder. You know, right now I'm trying to prove that President Barack Obama and family are all clones of ancient pharaohs, and I have enough evidence to make you wonder. And you will wonder, I promise. You'll, you'll be left staggered, and you'll understand who this man is and how he relates to this whole story, Akhenaten, and, and how this all fits. So I like to take it to those levels, and I actually do mean what I'm saying. You know, I'm not just putting it out there as a flight of fancy. I actually do believe this. I can't prove it because I don't have Barack's DNA, but I have every other bit of evidence to prove that it's true. And yeah, you know, you'll see me giving uh, hand signs with the high priest of the Church of Satan, Rex Diabolus Church, or you'll see me hugging on Tex Mars, you know, the fundamental uh, evangelist. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me because everyone out there is your friend. And what the truth of the matter is, and the one thing that people can't see that's not being promoted to you that you'll never know unless you go out and find out for yourself, is synchronicity. And it's that that keeps me going. It's that that is only produced through a love vibration. So you have to be jolly. You have to be happy. You have to be welcoming to others in order for this to work. And here I am. The only reason you're talking to me right now is because some homeless man did my numerology on a city bus. Okay? If he had not done that, I would not be here talking to you right now. So don't disregard the little aspects that are in your life. Those people that God, the universe, and everything have brought before you, believe me, you don't know what they will bring because you never know what your future is going to hold. And if you think you do, then you're limiting everything that could possibly happen to you. And that's what they want from you. 
So now you've got to go out and you've got to seek yourself and you've got to seek yourself in other people. And you've got to find out why certain people don't like you and then fix those things within yourself. You can't just go, those guys are bastards. You know? You've got to figure out why it is they don't like you. And once you start to understand yourself and everything else, the universe will open up and miracles will happen. And that's the only way out of this mess. Well, absolutely. Well, Freeman, whatever anyone thinks of your work, no one could accuse you of being boring. So I certainly yeah. hope people will go and take a look at uh, freemantv.com and start exploring some of the uh, the archives and things that you have up there. Just an incredible amount of information and uh, very, very, very interesting subjects. So I certainly hope that uh, we'll be able to talk again in the future. Yes, me too, James. Excellent. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Hey, not a problem at all.